Hey, Podcast Brunch Club. Before we begin, a quick thanks to our organizational partners, Podchaser, Critical Frequency, Audioboom, and Listen Notes. These are all companies you should look into if you're interested in great content and podcast discovery. They support and give back to the listener community. If you're an individual or an organization and you want to support the amazing listener community, think about becoming a supporter. Go to patreon.com slash podcast brunch club. Welcome, Podcast Brunch Club listeners. Today, I am here with Helen Zaltzman from, she has two podcasts, but we have one podcast on our Podcast Brunch Club playlist, and that is The Illusionist. We picked episode number 25, I believe, Tokipona, which is about a invented language. And Helen also has a podcast called Answer Me This. And if you listen to podcasts, you already know Helen's name because she's also appeared on countless other shows. So Helen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us about how did you find this person that invented the Tokipono language? Uh, So she's called Sonia Lang. And um, I think what happened was I just saw an article about it on Twitter and I retweeted it. And then Nate from fellow podcast, The Memory Palace tweeted Mm -hmm. saying, we should learn it for your show. (laughs) And I thought, okay. (laughs) And and then um, Sonia Lang had a website and I think her email address was on it. And I just, I just emailed her. And it was about 15 years before that, that she'd invented it. I think it was when she was an undergrad and she'd invented it. She'd sort of forgotten about it. And then a few years later, she found that it had this whole life on the internet that wasn't really anything to do with her. So I think she was somewhat used to people being interested in it, but also not super public about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I called her and um, we spoke for a bit to do the interview and then we started the interview and then she was like, I don't, I don't think I can do this today. And I said, that's all right. I, I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable or anxious when I'm interviewing them. And she said, well, how about you tell me what you'd like to talk about when we do the interview another time? And I was like, absolutely no problem. Um, so here's what I'm curious about. And then she just started talking. And then about 15 minutes in, she was like, oh, it's happening. It's, it's <laughs> happening right now. And she was great. Like she was very interesting. This language is a minimalist language and it has 123 words in it. And she invented it as a sort of philosophical exercise to clarify her thoughts. Her thoughts were too noisy. And so she decided to pare them down because as I found when I did try to learn it with Nate, it, it's quite difficult to express yourself with so few words. So in the end, you just stop communicating and it's all very peaceful and quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember thinking the same thing. I feel like I would constantly be needing more, <laughs> more words to explain something. And I think when people invent or <laughs> want to use another language, it's to be able to explain something that they don't have the words for. Yes. And so this was kind of different. It was like not needing to have the words to explain something. I thought that was just really super intelligent. It must have taken her a lot of time too to to really think how to refine down to that few number of words. Well, just by coincidence, I, I just put out uh, an illusionist episode with another 
language inventor. He invents languages for things like Game of Thrones. And so while hers was meant to be this very artificial language and it's kind of an art project, his are meant to sound naturalistic. So he was describing the process and I read his book as well. And it was, it was like breaking language apart into components I'd never even thought about it having. But once you start thinking, okay, you've got to make this word relate to this word. Oh my God, when does it end? <laughs> so, <laughs> inventing languages, whether big or small, just looks like way too much work for me. Because you might think you're going quite well and then you're like, oh, none of this works in the past tense or in subclauses or whatever. Or if I've got this, then that doesn't work. I'm, I'm interested in the languages we already have. I'll, I'll just try well, and- There's just so much already. Like, yeah, I'll try and try and get to grips with that. And they're so confused. Confusing. They're so absolute mess. Yes, English is just terrible. Like, yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, it's totally your fault, Helen. It is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I when my kids are learning words, they're they're young, and so when they learn things, and they're like, they don't understand why why you don't say bide, you say you bought something. Like that that is like that is there is no logical, or I haven't found it yet. I haven't given it been able to give it a logical explanation for why. You'd say bought instead of bide. It's very, very confusing and just so many strange yeah. spellings. And those are some of my yes. favorite illusionist episodes where we, you talk about spellings of words and I, I get really like fired <laughs> up about those. Yeah. Well, so I think uh, American English has got rid of some of the superfluous letters mm -hmm. or, or spelt them so that they look a little more like they sound. Yeah. And um, we're still... We're still clinging on to our theatre with an R-E in Britain just because <laughs> yeah. we got it from French, not? I don't know, like 600 years ago or something. <laughs> We're just stuck in the past. There you go. So I heard when on your recent appearance on Ologies, um, I heard you talk there about how you were an early reader and you were you remember somewhat but also were, were told that you were you know interested in language when you were probably in first <laughs> or second grade and and that you were in a very verbose household which i thought was just fantastic so <laughs> do you still read a lot so uh, i was a book reviewer for a lot of my 20s which I regret now because I feel like I did not have the right to criticize books because writing a book is way harder than anything <laughs> I've ever done. Um, but um, that's by the by. And um, I would collect a package of books and have a, like a week to read and review six oh books, which is impossible. Yeah, And you're being paid so little to do it. It was about £30 per book as it broke down, which oh, wow. is bad. And, and I was also working in publishing as a freelancer. So I was reading a lot of things I hadn't chosen and when those jobs started to tail off, there were just a period of years where I didn't read very much at all. So it's like I'd forgotten how to choose books for myself. And then a few years ago, I made a New Year's resolution, which was to read more. And I keep a spreadsheet. I've had it since 2011. And um, I can kind of gamify it a bit because um, at the moment I've, I've had quite a good reading year. I think because I was just somewhere that didn't have very good internet, so I read like 10 books in a week. <laughs> um, and I can be like, oh, I'm way ahead of all the Februaries the, of previous years. But it's difficult, isn't it? When you are working on audio, you can't really read at the same time because you can't mm -hmm. really take either thing in. Although I try and I want to listen to other people's shows. And I found that I really stopped reading books because of podcasts, but I've been trying to bring it, yes. bring it back in. So this has been a good reading year because of the bad internet. Are you a uh, paper or paper book or Kindle? 
Well, I do prefer a paper book, but I live out of a suitcase. So yeah. at the moment, it's electrical books, the kind that mm -hmm. when you drop them, it costs $600. <laughs> the very expensive books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wrecking it. Big risk books. Um, so I have another interest question for you. Mm -hmm. So listeners who are familiar with the illusionists may or may not, well, they will be familiar with your amazing logos for each episode <laughs> that look like a boggle. Well, they are a boggle. Yeah, they are. Game board. So, do you play? Do you play boggle? This is very important. Oh, yeah. I used to play boggle. I actually haven't played for quite a long time, and I don't know whether it's because no one will play with me. But um, <laughs> in my mid twenties, uh, my friend Josie and I, she lived uh, a ten minute walk from me, and we were both a bit underemployed. And uh, we would play Boggle all the time. Oh, yeah. And um, I made this giant inflatable Boggle set so that we could play it at comedy gigs because she's a comedian and do it at festivals and stuff. And um, so I think it might be the only giant Boggle set in the world. That is amazing. It was quite a good piece of engineering, yes. Uh, to be honest, playing Boggle with a crowd never really worked, but it's a nice <laughs> object to have. That's pretty fantastic. And I hope that you will send us a picture so we can include it in our yeah, show I, notes. I only, have one, <laughs> I only have one, weirdly. It's on the stage at the festival and it was the first time it was used. So I modified it later to be better. That is um, amazing. Yeah. So I'm Amazing. sorry that you're you're not getting the full glory oh. of the thing. Well, that's okay. Well, my mom loves to play Boggle and no one will ever play with her. Oh. But I'm glad to know that you are a true actual Boggle fan. I need to get back on it. Um, <laughs> a few years ago, I was playing online Boggle. I think Roman Mars found it. So he would challenge me to games. And I think mm -hmm. I beat him every, nearly every nice. time. Maybe he won a couple of times. But then Rishikesh Hire of Song Exploder started playing as well and he uh, he would just destroy me every time and then obviously Roman because Roman was worse at it than I was. <laughs> uh, so, so how is he entering the word so fast? Is he even human? It He's was amazing. He is a champion. He's the Radiotopia Boggle champion. He's champion of everything. He's just really good at everything. <laughs> I think he was, when he was uh, at, at high school, he might have been a mathlete, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. Or some kind of quizzy champion. Mm -hmm. He's lived a lot of lives that you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> expect from someone who seems so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, why do you think that people get territorial about speaking and language? Like, I'm from the Midwest. I'm sure people can tell from my accent. I love accents. But people get very, like, well, this is the way you say X, Y, Z. Why are we so territorial about that versus no. It's just all made up. <laughs> we're jerks you, is what right. you're saying <laughs> yeah we're jerks i think there's a number of things at play and i think one of them is as you pointed out earlier language is very messy and when you're a child there's just a lot of things that don't make sense but you learn it and you learn the rules and then when people deviate from the rules it can be mm. really hard to accept it but then if you an adult i think a lot of it certainly in britain anyway is to do with class mm. and until pretty recently only certain people were allowed in mass media. So, um, and even now, most journalists will be from pretty comfy backgrounds. But it used to be that if people were on TV or radio, they had very posh ways of speaking. It was called received pronunciation. So you wouldn't hear a Scottish accent, say, or like regional Southeastern English accents. Mm -hmm. Basically, any anything that wasn't from Southeast England, and even then, quite a fancy Southeast England accent. 
And that just really puts it in your mind that there's a way that things should be said mm. and deviations must be worse. And you really internalize a lot of that as well. People can really think that about themselves, that their, their way of speaking is unintelligent or inferior, which is so sad. And it takes mm -hmm. a, a long time if people can ever un unwire it at all. Mm -hmm. And then I think also some people, it's a way of control. So if you say to someone that they said something incorrectly, it's a way of saying, I'm not listening to what you say. I'm yeah. listening to the way you've said it and I've, I've dismissed what you have to say without really engaging with it. And once I realized that, I just, <laughs> I had been a pedant, a lot, a big pedant in childhood. And once I realized that, I really couldn't sustain it anymore. I was like, actually, it's a really terrible way to be. Mm -hmm. That's something that I have evolved about over the time that I've been listening to podcasts. I have found myself very critical at, in the beginning, I was so critical. Like, you know, why did they choose to go into this medium when they know that their voice has a particular thing that a lot of people find annoying or whatever? And I have had to really check myself on that over yeah, time. Same. But in general, you know, there, there are some, there are some tough voices out there for me, but <laughs> I try to give that more leeway, I guess. I just, I've, I've, yeah. I have not used that so much over time as a reason not to like something. I think that's the, it's a good thing to do. I, I as well, I don't think you can help having visceral responses to voices, but I remember I didn't know what vocal fry was mm -hmm. until I read an article about the first season of Serial and the commenters were criticizing Sarah Koenig for vocal fry. So I looked it up and then I started hearing it everywhere and I was annoyed by it, like a lot of people are. And then I, I was saying, why are you annoyed by it? Yeah. And particularly in combination with people who sound kind of childish and they speak up at the end. And, and why do you think people's voices should sound deeper and older? Oh, it's because uh, you think that the people who are allowed to speak and be taken seriously are all kind of old men. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. yep. and with that, I was like, yep, and speak how they want. Because also in 30 years time, that's what the voices of power will sound like. But this yeah. is what I mean when we've just internalized all these things culturally and, and the messages get reinforced all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I felt I've, uh, it's very rare that I dislike a voice now. Mm -hmm. So everyone should be listening to more diverse podcasts so that they can also be more appreciative of different voices. That's my yeah. recommendation. I, I get very angry when people email the show to complain about a guest voice. Huh. I just think, I don't think people understand how insulting it is to be told how you should sound mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. you should speak. So yeah. don't do that. If you're thinking of it, don't don't email a podcaster to tell them that. Yes. And stop writing that when people ask, what is your biggest pet peeve about podcasting? Women. And women. Then, yeah, <laughs> basically women's voices. <laughs> They're terrible. Yeah. So you have done a lot of guest spots on other shows. Um, and one of my <laughs> one of my favorite guest appearances was when you were on pounded in the butt by my own podcast. Thank you. I've, I'm very proud of that work. Oh, that, that was I did. fantastic. Um, <laughs> you know, for listeners, you have to go check it out. It's a <laughs> very funny, kind of sarcastic, um, gay erotica, and it is fantastic. And hearing Helen <laughs> read these, <laughs> this short story is just, it's just amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It was a big test for me because um, I, I'm not very good at accents. It's an American character. Um, <laughs> it, it starts out, he's got a massive hangover. I don't even drink. I was like, gosh, have I just uh, 
agree to do something that I'm not at all qualified to do. But it's a very existential, <laughs> erotic Chuck Tingle story. Yeah, it's very, it's it's great. Uh, definitely go check that out. It's uh, I think it's called Monday. There's Monday certainly pounding. Monday in it and butt pounding. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so definitely, if you need to get a good laugh, go check it out and you'll hear Helen's beautiful voice uh, Thank you. reading Saying gay erotica. It's fantastic. Saucy things. Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. But I was wondering if you have any podcasts that you want to be on or any um, <laughs> hilarious mashups that you can think of. Um, you know what? Uh, there's... a. Uh, it's, there's a British show called Desert Island Disc, which has been it's been on radio since the 1940s, mm -hmm. and um, it's quite amazing actually. They've got their back catalogue available as podcasts. So there's like 1500 episodes. Wow! And um, the concept is you have to choose eight songs that we take with you to a desert island, and you're allowed one luxury item and a book. And um, the people they choose are usually celebrities or renowned in another field so you might get academics or uh, sports people or a business person and it's fascinating it's a way of uh, them telling their life story but also when you listen you can't help but play along you're like okay would i take this one or this one i really think they've chosen badly there oh yeah and um and also the archive is such a fascinating cross-section of how interviewing styles have changed mm. The host for the last few years is a woman called Kirsty Young, who's a very good interviewer, a very warm presence. And before that, there was um, someone who just seemed like she didn't really care about the details of people's lives. So she'd be like, you were in this film. And they'd be like, no. And she's like, well, it says here you were, <laughs> as if it was their fault. Uh, and, um, and then if you go back to, say, the 50s, it's so uninquisitive <laughs> um, hmm. emotionally and actually not even in the 50s the 80s i remember listening to one where it was um it's a woman called uh, diana mitford who was one of the mitford sisters who were like the aristocratic kardashians of the 30s and 40s here and diana mitford married the leader of the british fascists and in the 40s they were in prison during the second world war and um they were friends with Hitler. And so the interviewer was saying, you were friends with Hitler, weren't you? And she just goes, yes. And they, and they say, what was he like? And she goes, lovely eyes. And that's all you find out. There's no kind of reflection. There's no asking her, you know, how do you feel about that in the intervening decades? Because he's not really a popular character in, in Britain anymore. And um, yeah, so it's just so intriguing, but partly because of what they don't ask in the past. I didn't know about the... The back catalogue, that's really cool. I think just just dive in and pick a random one. Yeah. So anyway, I do feel like that would be the ultimate for me to be on Desert Island Disc, but I haven't earned it. And um I think when <laughs> I when I if I ever do make it on, it's kind of like your eulogy or something. It's over <laughs> at that point. Let's hear one last word from Helen. <laughs> these are her discs that she yeah. these are her songs that she would take these are her songs and like this is her life summed up and the rest will be uh, it's over now yeah it's over yeah you're too young for that <laughs> do you listen to a lot of podcasts now even though you're trying um, to read more the last few months I haven't that much and I think it was partly looking for some quietness mm -hmm. um, and I think also because my back Clog got so big that mm -hmm. it felt easier never to listen to podcasts again than to try to get through it. Yeah. Which is frightening. But also just when you are making audio a lot, you can't listen to them while you're working. 
and right. that becomes difficult. But I did listen to two uh, yesterday when I was scrubbing filth off the bathroom floor and it really elevated the task. <laughs> so they've still got a place in my life. But when That's you're itinerant, good. you don't scrub bathroom floors as often. So That's true. Yeah, it, 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 or, or you don't commute. So I'm missing my podcast listening time of doing chores and being right. on London transport. Yeah. Well, we always ask our guests what podcasts they would recommend to other people, things that something that you wouldn't think someone else would have known about or just anything that you recommend, something, one of your favorites. Okay. Well, um, if since we were talking about the BBC World Service, I would recommend mm -hmm. their podcast Witness, which is nine minute oral histories of things. So one day it will be about Nelson Mandela being released from prison and the next day it'll be about the Spice Girls first album. So there's a real interesting mix of subjects and it feels like they pack a lot in to nine minutes. And then also, if I'm allowed to, I would direct people to Imaginary Advice, which is very unlike any other show I've heard. And it's it's sort of a combination of things that I don't particularly usually like, which is audio fiction, stand-up poetry, and monologues, because I find monologues mm. hard to pay attention to. And yet mm -hmm. it's just it's just really amazing. There's one called Six House Parties, which is a good place to start. I am going to put that on my own list. I do listen to Witness and I love that it's nine minutes because, and it's usually like something that I, 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 I've heard of the event or something, but I don't know anything about yeah. it. So, and and because it, it's so short, you're like, okay, finally, I feel slightly educated about this historical thing that I should have known about and yeah. never really understood. That is a great recommendation. Where can people find more about The Illusionist? Uh, that is at theillusionist.org or Illusionist Show on Twitter and Facebook. Definitely check out the whole catalog. Helen is coming up on a hundred episodes very oh, soon. Gosh. I'm very What should I do to celebrate? That. I haven't I haven't I don't know. Worked it Something out. for yourself, for sure. Oh, what take the week off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take some time off. Be like, here's the hundredth episode. It's just silence. <laughs> yeah. We could all use a little quiet. <laughs> for sure. Thank you very much for uh, the interview and check out Tokipona and the rest of the Podcast Brunch Club playlist. Hey everyone, this is Steve. I'm the leader of the Minneapolis chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club. I'm here with some info about everyone who makes this show possible. Most importantly, please rate and review the Podcast Brunch Club podcast on your podcast player of choice. Helps us out a lot. The music you heard today is downloaded from Free Music Archive, and this episode featured music from a longtime contributor to the Creative Commons community, Poddington Bear, with their song Elephant Walk. The ad music is from Mazel Ghana, with their song Paradise. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by the amazing bionic woman, Adela. Adela's co-host on the podcast is Sarah Da Silva, the leader of the Houston chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club and founder of Audible Feast. Audio editing is done by me, Steven Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks, and happy listening!